Good morning. We have to start by discussing, yet again, crime in the countryside. As Manette Batters of the NFU told us last month, it's the biggest concern for those in agriculture, even more so than uncertainties over Brexit. With harvest well underway, the headquarters are out again, and a few weeks back, you might remember, we looked at what's being done to try and tackle that particular issue. This week, NFU Mutual published its annual report looking at the cost of rural crime. According to the report, Lincolnshire is the worst affected part of the country, with rural crime costing farming £2.5 million last year. Well, Charles Onion farms at Springthorpe near Gainsborough. He's been targeted 13 times in the last five years. Kelly Pyart went out to meet him. I've had numerous quad bikes disappear, uh, diesel. I've had my house broken into. I've had another house broken into. And, uh, yeah, a bit of everything. <laughs> Variety is the spice of life. What kind of impact does that have on your on your business and the, the actual being able to farm and stuff as well? well it's very frustrating because you've got to uh, basically make allowances. We've spent an awful lot of time and money over um, the last few years in increasing security, CCTV, locks, um, all, all to keep them out really and it's it's something I shouldn't have to do I should be allowed to uh, go out and farm without without needing to um, go to these lengths what do you think about there being with the police in rural crime obviously it's it's so difficult anyway funding stretched and everything like that but is there anything you'd like to see more of or do you think everything's being done that can be done uh, well, I've worked quite closely with Lincolnshire police over the last few years and you know I find them I find them a good bunch really um, I think between us, the rural community and the police, we need to, uh, you know, build bigger links. Um, y- you know, surveillance. If there's problems, we need to. We just need to work together a lot more. Um, farmers need to be aware, and rural dwellers in general need to be aware that every crime, no matter how trivial, needs reporting, so Lincolnshire police can get to the uh, get get to the bottom of it. And uh, just if if they don't know the full scale of the issues. Um, you know, they they don't know the issues to deal with. So every crime needs reporting and, uh, you know, a joined-up approach between farmers, rural dwellers and the police is the only way that you're going to stop some fairly determined crooks. I mean, I've spoken to other farmers who have have also fallen prey to it, but not as often as you have. Do you think it's a, a fact that, you know, you've had it happen once, criminals then spread that knowledge and, and you... Do you worry about becoming a target for them in a way? Well, I worry about because I am a target. I have been a target. When it happens, you, you just—it's just so frustrating that uh, you know when's when's it next going to happen? And uh, you do get a bit thick skin to it, but um, it's a very, very frustrating thing to happen because you're always thinking, what can you do? When are they going to be back? And it's—it's it's not a nice way to live your life, really. And I guess you've got to the point now where you're like, I'm. I'm I'm expecting it to happen again. Um, I, I, I never expect it to happen, and it's, it'll become a very sad state of affairs when I do expect it to happen again. But uh, we've just got to spend more time on sport, spend more money on 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 security. Um, you know, data tags on tractors and mobilisers, the works trackers. We've got to do all we can. To, to stop it happening again and this you know alliance joined up thinking between us and Lincolnshire Police who you know I found very very good over the years. And, and we hear a lot as well about hair coursing, hair coursing this, hair coursing that and obviously it has a massive impact on farmers but do you worry that that issue kind of 
hides the rest of rural crime. You know, that there isn't enough attention put on to the small things, like, or I say small things, but like things like diesel being nicked and your quad bikes going missing and other farming equipment. Well, at the end of the day, you know, particular crimes are relative to certain people. And uh, I, I do get a bit frustrated to hear, you know, the, the Lincolnshire police are doing excellent work on hair coursing. And um, I sometimes do feel, you know, a bit left out, considering hair coursing isn't necessarily a problem that I've had. And, um, but they, you know, we're all aware of their funding issues. They are, you know, they're doing, they're doing a, a decent job in difficult circumstances. But there are many strands to rural crime now. You've got workshop theft, you've got, you know, hair coursing, you've got wildlife, you've got um, you know, memorial crime, you know, it's, it's, it's such a wide-ranging topic that we've all got to, yeah, we've all got to work together, and that's my, that's my message. Everybody, police, rural dwellers, you, you know, we need to work together against some, some really quite, uh, I regret to say this, clever and very determined people. But I know locally... Uh, some farmers who've joined together and, you know, have their, have their own schemes. And I, I think it's a brilliant idea. Intelligence is the only way you're going to stop these people. We all need to know the, the issues. We all need to do our best to protect ourselves. But if we can protect ourselves together, then, you know, that's, that's the key. And your message to farmers who have maybe become a victim of rural crime for the first time and, and aren't used to that feeling of it being frustrating, what's, what's your advice to them? Just have a look around your farmyard, work out what improvements you can, you can do to, uh, you know, increase security. You are going to need to spend a bit of money on security because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who, who have got the wrong intentions. Dig deep, spend a bit of money on security and, yeah, join forces, but, you know, do report every single incident to the, to the police because that's the only way they're going to they're going to understand the uh, the true nature of it because these these figures on monday they they won't be the full picture they they need to know the full picture so every crime doesn't matter how trivial it is needs to be treated accordingly charles onion chatting there with kelly pyard what are your experiences of rural crime similar to charles do please get in touch you can email us through the website or message us via social media as ever we always welcome your feedback and comments You uh, certainly commented last week on Andrew Ward's chat with Rob Jacobson, looking at what could be the future for many in farming, integrated pest management. One question many of you wanted answering was, just who is going to pay for it? Well, here's more from that chat with Andrew and Rob, explaining just that issue. Policymakers have got to understand that if they're driving the farming industry down the route of IPM, and quite rightly so, then they must accept that there is a financial implication and, as you say, uh, farmers and growers just haven't got sufficient margin to absorb mm. a lot of extra cost. So this this has to be taken into account and I, I really don't think it has been with the Sustainable Use Directive, for instance. I, I don't think people have really considered the additional cost of using multiple control measures against a pest, which is the first reason why it's... It's more expensive. Um, There's also um, issues with additional labour for crop monitoring because you've got to keep on top of the pest and natural enemy situation throughout the whole season. That means a lot of input into 
intercrop monitoring, very interesting jobs for people to do. Yes. Um, the extra cost has to come from somewhere. And as you say, the margins are very small for farmers and, and yeah. growers. And these people have to be allowed to make a living. Otherwise, where is our food going to come from? Well, that's right, with an ever-expanding world. And yeah, all the I mean, stores, you know, we can't expect growers and farmers to dedicate their life to growing <laughs> crops and growing food for the rest of us. That's a, a, a loss. That's a, a loss. No, well, that, that's no. right. I, I quite so, agree. So that's uh, you know that that mm. is serious. And so the, the other options are that the the public accept higher costs for food, but of course everybody's got used to food at rock bottom prices now, um, and we, I suppose we can thank the supermarkets for yes. For and, that. The, and the other thing I think as well, uh, Rob, they've got used to is they've got used to having the availability of perfect uh, looking vegetables and fruit. And in this sort of system, you might say you could actually have vegetables that don't look perfect, yet they're perfectly healthy because they've been uh, you know, applied and used with the biochemistry. There might be some superficial markings on the on the fruit, which at the moment are probably graded out and thrown away, which to my mind is, is totally unnecessary and totally unacceptable. There might be a, an odd pest found on the fruit, which would probably also cause it to be rejected. And even more bizarrely, there might be an odd good guy, a good beneficial, an odd beneficial insect that's left on the yeah, yeah. left on the produce, and uh, that would also cause a yeah. cause a rejection. And really, we could look at this from a completely different point of view and say, oh, just a minute, if there's a little bit of damage there, and if it's a, an odd pest, and if there's an odd biological control agent there, then. That actually means that there's probably no chemical residues. No, exactly. So, yeah. uh, it's, so, so it's, it's like it's, having a good indicator yes. of a chemical-free chemical it's, it's produce. And sort it's of one trade-off against another, really, in a way, isn't it, I think? And I, I think it, it, it's an interesting thought, and I think it's an interesting um, future, if you like, going ahead. And, it, and it's very challenging times, but if we can get this coming forward um, in mainstream, arable, and in, in every aspect of farming, it can only be good for the future of, of farming while we're losing actives at such an alarming rate. As with losing actives at the rate we're losing at the moment, there's no alternative really. We have to go down this this route. We have to, or we won't be able to grow food at all. A word of warning there from Rob Jacobson speaking with Andrew Ward. It is the Farming Programme. I'm Sean Dunderdale, and time for our update from Open Field. It's Tom Miller uh, in the seat this week. Hello, Tom. Hello, good morning. Uh, still uh, re- recovering from the weather. It's up and down. It's be- been better the last few days, though, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. it has. Um, obviously, well, continuing the, the weather pattern that we've seen since the harvest uh, mm. started, really. The, the, the lovely hot weather we've had obviously didn't continue since the combines come out. Guess what happens? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, you know, so, as I say, you, it continues to be stop-start, really. Um, weather pattern continues. Uh, no clear indication yet, really, as to wheat yield and quality. Uh, although those samples we have seen through the lab have held up remarkably well, uh, reflecting the flat fact that growers have gone for their milling weeks first. Um, it'll be early next week when we see more samples coming through the lab after the rains that we had midweek um, to see what effect that's had on quality, especially the Hagbergs. Uh, prices have been uh, firmly in a downtrend as the market digested the negative USDA report last week uh, and the seemingly ever-growing Black Sea wheat crop. Analysts are falling over themselves to report the highest crop, which is further nourishment for the bears, uh, especially the trend following funds 
who are ignoring the fact that Russia in particular are faced with a huge logistical challenge if their wheat exports are to exceed 30 million tonnes. They will be hoping for a mild winter and uninterrupted flows from the interior to the Black Sea once the hinterland around the ports has been cleared earlier on. Uh, US wheat now has priced itself competitively into the global export market with new sales this week in excess of 700,000 tonnes, which was above trade expectations. Quality wheat will be tight due to the drought conditions in the US, which we've talked about before, Canada and Australia, and the persistent range in Germany and the Baltic states, which should benefit France, who have good quality, because at some point uh, Russia can't feed the world. Uh, There should be plenty of feed wheat in the EU, which is not a bad thing, and it will potentially displace some imported maize, uh, especially as the import levy is now in force. Uh, markets continue really in their downward and random directions. Uh, one report stated all grain markets are now islands with little or no relationship with each other. Uh, as much as markets tend to follow each other, there are also occasions where domestic factors will overrule the global. So have a quick look at prices. Uh, spot feed wheat is worth 130 to 133 X. November 134 to 136 and November 18, 138 X farm. Group 1 milling premium circa £15 over feed wheat, but obviously one to keep an eye on as we move to harvest completion and what effect the recent weathers have had on the quality. Feed barley, 113 to 115x for what's left of August, 115 to 117 for September, and 116 to 119 for November. Um, Barley harvest with the springs especially, um, with the barleys being fit, um, they've been well necked over and with the higher winds that we've had of late, they've been shedding onto the floor, which hasn't helped yields. Uh, Malting barley samples seen through the lab have been variable quality. Domestic consumers are reviewing spring barley samples to see what is usable in the spread of the analysis seen so far. Uh, Premiums for spot malting barley, spring malting barley um, are 20 to 25 pound over feed depending on location and specification. Oilseed rape, uh, the market is lower this week than it was last uh, due to the USDA forecasting a record and larger than expected US soybean crop despite the hot dry weather. Weaker currencies supporting domestic values, but with growers now concentrating on wheat and spring barley harvest, interest in oilseed rape is limited. Seed in store could be difficult to prize out strong hands before Christmas, although the UK market can't afford to be too expensive compared with world markets, otherwise crushers will import vessels as they did last season. Uh, one positive with current values is that for most growers all seed rate will be the highest grossing crop on the farm uh, so intensives are there to plant a larger area for next season open field have seed available for immediate developments uh, immediate uh, delivery um, so obviously speak to your open field representative uh, spot all seed rape is worth 305x uh, with a 10 pound carry through to november feed beans or the feed bean market only a handful of uh, winter bean samples have been seen so far testing high brookid uh, making them feed and we await the springs to see what the quality is like on those. Uh, new crop is thin with not much liquidity in the market and compounders still really not taking part. Uh, we sit and await for harvest. Uh, September is worth 154 to 155 with a pound a month carry. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Chat soon. Tom Miller from Open Field. Last week on the programme, we spoke with Andrew Ward, looking at harvest on his land at Lednam. Andrew, of course, along with our own agronomist, Sean Sparling, who's uh, back from his holidays next week, by the way, are both passionate about fighting for glyphosate, with fears it could be banned come the end of the year. So, with him being in last week, I uh, took the opportunity to chat about that 
as you'll hear in a moment, but also what the general feeling is right now in agriculture, what with unsettled weather, unsettled Brexit negotiations, and things being unsettled generally. How are things, Andrew? I think generally it's always quite buoyant to a degree, but there is a huge amount of uncertainty with the Brexit job, and and a lot of people are thinking that Brexit won't happen. And whether it does or it doesn't, that's out of our control, and we've just got to get on with what we're doing. And and there are opportunities out there, and I, and I think it, it's no matter what size of farm you are, that there are pitfalls for small farmers and there are pitfalls for very large farmers. And I think you're just best to get on with what you're doing, do it properly, walk, look at your costs, try and get the most out of it, and, and do the best you can. Uh, you know, everybody's going to want feeding. The world needs food. It's as simple as that. And it's up to us to provide that food at, at the cheapest cost in a sustainable way and while looking after the environment, because that is obviously um, something we need to be looking at. Um, the environmental aspect of farming today is very big. Uh, and uh, we looked at in the public eye and people driving past farms look into farms and see what we're doing. And so we are open to, to the public to look at. And uh, But farming is, is very tough. Uh, costs are, are high. Our input costs you know, have risen. If I look at my costs over the last 15 years, it's probably costing me three times as much now to grow a crop of, of winter wheat um, compared to, say, um, what it did 15 years ago. And yet the price we're selling at is the same as it was 15 years ago. So we have to look at other ways of trying to cut our costs to keep that margin there. And and with the herbicide resistance, you know, with blackgrass, this weed that I'm always harping on about, um, we, we have to really you know, look at what we're doing. And, uh, and we have to change the way we're farming in a lot of ways to remain profitable, which it's not easy though, Sean. It, it, it is difficult, but, you know, if you're up for it and you're positive, then, uh, you know, that's what you've got to do. You've talked about, as, as indeed as Sean Sparling, our agronomist, about you know glyphosates, the, the fear yeah. uh, with with that as well. Is there a fear that with harvest, everyone is now so busy that that kind of debate has tailed away a little bit? And you obviously yeah. don't want people to forget. No, it's still bubbling under, isn't it? It, it, it is. You're, you're quite right there, and and, and I'm part of a, of a group of, of nationwide farmers, along with Sean as well as in our group. There's 14 or 15 of us that are really active in this glyphosate, or uh, the public that are listening. It's Roundup that you buy in a garden centre. Um, that active ingredient of Roundup uh, potentially could be banned at the end of the year and yes we are, we are have been very active over that since uh, since January promoting the good side of it and if and if it was banned the outcome uh, would be really damaging, a lot more damaging than what glyphosate uh, causes because glyphosate doesn't cause uh, damage to humans or, or it's not carcinogenic and all those sort of things. And it's the alternatives that are far worse. And you're quite right, we are so busy now harvesting, we're so busy trying to work the soil, cultivate and look at next year's crops that we forget about these other aspects of pressures we have on farming. And uh, you know, on Twitter, I'm on Twitter, as you know, quite heavily. And, and with using glyphosate, the hashtag glyphosate is vital and other hashtags and other aspects we're using in farming for social media, you do tend to take your, your finger off the pulse if you're not careful. But it is, it's a full-on job and we need to completely keep going with these, these uh, stories to the public um, to keep all our active ingredients that we have. You've said it a number of times before that, you know, if, if glyphosate was to go, you probably couldn't carry on farming. It, no. would, it would have such a big effect on you. Do you, do you stand by that still? Because still, we, we could be yeah. a few months away from it happening. We could, we could. And we're now into August. Uh, there's one or two votes happening in the next month or two. And the final decision, I think, will be in October, November. And uh, yeah, I still stand by that, that if glyphosate was removed from our, our use, if you like, and it was banned, then 
we would have a serious job to keep going and farm on some of the land that we've farmed uh, at the moment and we don't use glyphosate and we don't use chemicals willy-nilly you know we have we think about where we put them we're very careful how we use them we're all trained operators and, and the application we use uh, with the sprayers and the nozzles we use and you know people must remember that when they see a sprayer running across a field and they see chemical coming out of the boom and a mist and, and droplets coming out onto the crop they think that that is all, all poison and chemical coming out there's 95 percent at least if not more 95 percent of that product coming out of that boom and going onto the crop is water it is used as a carrier to take the chemical into the plant and so as for you know you're saying that it's poisonous and it's carcinogenic and it damages the environment and it damages wildlife it actually preserves wildlife because of the way we use it and i still say sean as you've just said that if it wasn't there then black grass would have a serious job at controlling it and we don't rely on on roundup or glyphosate 100 percent it's a it's a number of measures like improved uh, increased seed rates spring cropping you know cultivations it's just one aspect it's one of a six-piece jigsaw that i use and if glyphosate was taken away or if if cultivations if fuel was removed anything that jigsaw would not be complete and therefore it would completely disrupt you know the the farming system andrew ward there on that uh, ongoing debate over glyphosate i'm starting to rhyme let's move on a fresh start has revealed plans for its lincolnshire agri business academy to be run at the rise home college showground campus in november applications uh, close mid-september so uh, there isn't long if you're interested the aim of the academy is to develop the next generation of farmers growers land managers and land-based businesses louise dellington has told me a little more about it so it's basically aimed at anyone kind of 18 and over that's um, perhaps looking for the the, the business skills, if you like, that go into um, running a business in the industry. You can't really run a successful business without knowing some of those things. I imagine there's people listening now thinking, you know, I'd like to get into agriculture, I'd like to find out more about it, particularly the business side of it. And it's those kind of skills that, you know, it's a changing world we live in. We need those skills, don't we? Yes, absolutely. We certainly do. And, you know, we're more than open to kind of chat to anybody that perhaps wants to know more about um, the industry in general, you know, not just necessarily the academy. Um, but if they go to our website and have a look and get in touch we'd be happy to speak to them okay well this academy is opening as you say in in, in november but you can find out more details now Where, where's the website um so if you visit www.freshstartlandenterprise.org.uk um you'll see a section on there for applications tells you a bit more about the academy um the deadline for applications is the 13th of september so plenty of time but it does start in november so uh, quite an exciting time for us mm, definitely and uh, hopefully on the program we can follow it through as well see what yeah, uh, see what happens and meet some yeah. of the first uh, first people you're getting on it so that should yeah, be good absolutely all right well good luck with it thank okay, you okay thank you very much that's louise dellington from fresh start land enterprise you can find out more about the academy on their website right we're approaching a bank holiday weekend next weekend so uh, will the weather be any more settled the farming program five-day forecast well, much of today should be fine and dry we've got highs of around 20 celsius the wind from the west at about 10 miles an hour Fine and dry again overnight tonight. Clear skies, temperatures down to around 13 Celsius. The wind dropping to about 5 miles an hour from the southwest. And a fine and dry Monday as well. Some cloud, a little bit of sunshine in places. Highs of 22 Celsius. The wind from the south, 10 to 15 miles an hour.
Overnight Monday into Tuesday should again be dry. Temperatures around 16 Celsius because of that wind still blowing from the south, southwest, again 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then sunny spells first thing on Tuesday, but a sweeping band of rain uh, come the afternoon. Quite heavy rain in places as well expected. Warm, 26 the high for Tuesday. The wind continuing from the south, southwest, 10 to 15 miles an hour. Once that rain has swept by, it should be dry and clear once again. At 16, the low, first thing on Wednesday morning. The wind blowing more from the west-southwest, again 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then sunny spells throughout uh, Wednesday, maybe a shower in the middle of the day. Highs of 22 Celsius and the wind from the west at 10 to 15 miles an hour. Come the end of the week, it could get a little bit more breezy, continuing from the west. It should be mostly dry, though, with sunny spells. As ever, that can change. We'll keep a check with the hourly forecasts as the end of the week approaches. That's the forecast, then. Looks a little bit better for harvest this week. I hope I'm not tempting fate by saying that. Uh, as mentioned, it is the August bank holiday weekends. Next weekend, the last bank holiday before Christmas. Uh, we'll still be here, though, at the usual time, and I'm delighted to say Sean Sparling will be back from his break as well to update us on all things agronomy. That's next week. Until then, as ever, have a good week's harvest. <laughs>